So Be Productive itself, the company, was born less than a year ago, more out of necessity than anything else. I started working online like seven years ago, and I fell into the whole operational SOP and productivity stuff pretty much by mistake, almost like I've been like just butt kicked into it. Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast with me, Mickey Anderson, where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all. Business success, lasting wealth, freedom, and fulfillment. Join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more. In this episode, I chat with Christina Samuela of Be Productive. Now she helps badass coaches, course creators, and agencies get back hundreds of hours of their time and scale their businesses to seven figures and beyond by integrating processes into their everyday routines. If you struggle with processes, productivity, or staying organized, this episode is going to help. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Christina Samoyla. Well, thanks again for joining me today. I am personally really excited to dig into our conversation because I feel like this is an area that I can improve significantly. I used to feel like I had my stuff in order. I was um, I actually wrote the SOPs and created the processes for a lot of other companies. But then when it comes to my own company, I have dropped the ball. So I'm really excited to have you here today, Christina. But first and foremost, I would love for you to give our audience a little bit of a taste of how you came to be the productivity and operations queen that you are. Thank you. Thank you for the warm introduction and happy to be here as well. Um, so Be Productive itself, the company was born less than a year ago. Uh, more out of necessity than anything else. Um, I started working online like seven years ago and I fell into the whole operational SOP and productivity stuff pretty much by mistake, almost like I've been like just butt kicked into it <laughs> in a way. Um, you know, in all of the jobs that I previously held, every time I would go into my job, I would see all these inefficiencies of like, hey, this part here that I have to do manually every single day, I know this software can automate it, but my bosses basically haven't. So I'm wondering, did they not do it because they don't want to or do they just not know? So I went with like, they don't know. So I automated everything for myself. And of course I, guilty pleasure, I enjoyed the free time for like a couple of weeks, (laughs) just (laughs) extra two hours of my time. But then eventually I went to them and be like, hey, guys. Um, So, see, I was able to free myself two hours of my time. So I'm thinking if we implement this company wide, we could save a lot more time that we could reinvest somewhere else. What do you guys think? And they were like, oh, oh, okay. Is there anything else you can do? Like automate other stuff? And that's kind of how it all happened. They just kind of like, hey, I want more. I want more. I want more. And then they recommended me to other people and so on and so forth. And before I even knew it, it became my life. <laughs> so that's amazing. I'm not, not totally willing, not totally unwilling. <laughs> you went with the flow. I love it. I love that yeah, um, you were able to. This situation with uh, the Beauty and the Beast syndrome, what it's called, the Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you were able to like leverage your natural gift and talent and turn it into a business. That's amazing. Uh, so when it comes to the type of businesses that you work with, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I typically work with online businesses, mostly agencies, coaches, and consultants. Uh, that's kind of where I've had the most success so far. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to setting up our initial operations, so identifying those places where there are inefficiencies, are there any like really common mistakes that businesses are making that, that they could tackle right off the bat and save them some time? There's a lot. Uh, I think the first mistake that people make is like they feel like they don't have to start doing it until they're ready to hire somebody. Mm. They feel like for as long as they're solopreneurs and they're doing everything on their own, they already know what they're doing. So they don't feel the need to start documenting. And as soon as they're ready to, to hire that first person, that's when they're like, okay, now I'm hired. I hired the first person. So now I have to start documenting. Like eh, the reason why that's kind of a mistake is because by the time you've hired them, it's, it's, if you don't have them already, it's already going to take them longer than ideal to get themselves up and running. Um, And you'll realize that maybe you don't really have the practice of documenting uh, your processes yet. So it doesn't come as natural as you think. Uh, So it takes a little bit longer and it takes a few more iterations than it would if you had started earlier. So it it always takes a little bit extra time, uh, more than we thought we needed. So that's kind of the first thing that I would advise somebody. Hey, as soon as you see that you have a repeatable process inside of your business, even if you're still doing it all yourself, just start documenting it already. Yeah. And when we're documenting those things at first, is there a right way or a wrong way to start writing your processes? Mm, Not necessarily a right or wrong way, but there are a few kind of like must haves that you need to keep in mind. Um, The way I typically, I'm I'm a visual person and I've noticed that most of the people that that I work with are also visual people. So I usually like to do like a flow chart So I take like a whiteboarding tool or even pen and paper, and I just kind of visually outline the steps. Be like, hey, you start, of course, with your trigger, like, hey, what makes us start to this process? Maybe it's an onboarding process. So the trigger is, hey, we just closed a new client. And then you start with like the start and the end. So the end is like, when is this process finished? What, What signifies the end of onboarding before we move into fulfillment or upsells or anything else. So you define the start and the end, and then you kind of go from big picture to small picture. So um, I guess that's another mm, little mistake, I guess, that people tend to make is that they want to dive into the details right away. Um, And unless you're experienced in writing SOPs and procedures, it's actually better to just start with the big pictures, like start with like the five milestones of your process, right? Hey, I'm sending an email. I'm waiting for a reply. I reply back. Perfect. And then we go, okay, what goes into sending an email? Well, I have to define my sender, my from, and my message. Then for that second milestone and so on and so forth, how long do I wait? 
And then you go back and be like, okay, what does the body of the email needs to be formatted as? Uh, let's make sure we correct it of typos. So you just, every time you go a layer deeper, a layer deeper, a layer deeper until you have everything. So once we've documented those first repeatable processes, mm -hmm. is this something that we continue to revise over time or do we just leave them and then move on to the next thing? <laughs> I know that's a sarcastic question. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So standard operating procedures and processes in general, they are living, living breathing documents. Uh, your company evolves, uh, your processes hopefully evolve with your with it um there's gonna be stuff that comes up there's gonna be a client that says hey you know actually i would have liked it if you had done this differently or hey i actually i don't know caught something that i wish your team had caught instead of me so that's when you take that customer feedback and you implement it into your process or employee feedback an employee might see this first and be like hey look we keep doing things one way and I feel like they'd be better this other way let's change that and you want to make sure that every time something changes you actually go in and update the original process instructions and there's two ways you can do this either update them as soon as um, a change has been made but also make sure that at least like once every three months like once a quarter you go in and just like take another look because there sometimes there's like small changes that maybe haven't been updated or just have slipped through the cracks or even just the process of looking over a, uh, over a process, yeah, <laughs> that you haven't done in a while triggers stuff in you. Like, hey, actually we haven't looked at this process in, in six months. Can we really do nothing to improve it? Like, I know we've done it this way for six months, but I'm sure that if we think about it, there are better ways today than there were six months ago that we could achieve this. So it also triggers that creative process and that uh, thinking with the client in mind, like how can we make this better for everybody? Yeah. You know, I, I've seen people who have just taken instructions off of like application websites and used those as the SOP, <laughs> SOPs as well. Um, copy and pasting, using templates online, is it better to write it yourself? Or if someone has done it before and written a template or has instructions, should we just be taking from them? Depends. It depends. Um, I typically like starting is like, if I do a task the exact same way, like if, if I, it's the way the software is meant to be used, then I see no problem with taking the instructions that the software developers have written for like how to create a task in your project management system. That's pretty basic, that's pretty standard. So I have no problem with taking the existing instructions for the from the software provider as a starting point and then just adding like my own flavor. If there are things that we do in house that are a little bit extra from like the basics that the developer is teaching to us, then we just add those on top. And same with like standard operating procedures, templates that you get from somewhere else. I think they're good. Like I think um, they're definitely a better starting point than a blank page. Blank pages can be very intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, and it also depends because like some of these people, they may have a better process than you. They may have a lot more experience writing these. So 
you taking that and looking over it, you can actually see that they have some steps that you may have missed that you didn't even think about. You don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah, yeah. And to that point, you don't know what you don't know. I love that. Um, for business owners who are just getting started. So for example, me, I'm a solopreneur right now working on my own doing all the things. Um, and sometimes picking where to start can feel intimidating. And there are so many opportunities or places to go and I only have so much limited time. So if I have to narrow down the most important SOPs to start with, where, where should I start? Well, there's two ways. The long way is you can do what's called a time study where you kind of track where you spend most of your time. Uh, like over the course of two weeks, let's say, you just track your time and be like, hey, what did I, what kind of activities did I spend my time on in this past couple of weeks? And then you see which ones uh, were not really the best use of your time. And with the delegation process in mind, like, hey, I'd rather not do this like $10 an hour of tasks. I'd rather have that time back to focus on other things. Then you can write the processes for those so that you can offload them. So that's way number one. And way number two is I recommend people that they start with like the fulfillment process mm -hmm. uh, and onboarding process because um, people think that the hard work kind of stops once you've closed the sale uh, and that everything's easy and downhill from there, but uh, we're uphill. Hmm. Anyway, downhill. Downhill. Oh, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the, the hard work actually starts there because once you've set all of these expectations during the sales call and sales process, it is now your job to fulfill them, to make sure that you deliver on those expectations and that you deliver that kind of content and quality consistently. And this consistently is the key here because the only way to deliver something at a consistent quality if, is if you standardize the whole process. So the only way you're going to get all those like raging testimonials and referrals and just having people love you is if you love them first. Mm. And the way to love them is to make sure that when they buy something from you, you not only meet their expectations, but exceed them. And the only way to do that is to make sure that the fulfillment process is like banger. And I love that. I love that idea because a lot of us will get caught up in either the way before or the way after, but the middle just feels like, but it's my way and it's different for every client, but that's not necessarily true. And, you know, you mentioned flowcharts, and I think that to me sparked a really kind of maybe an aha moment for myself in my own business. But in that fulfillment, I think for me, at least, it feels a lot more manageable to work through a flow chart of those big primary or mm -hmm. core pieces and slowly build those up over time rather than coming up with like what I initially thought of were like these detailed pages of to do's. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you mentioned quality control, which I think is a good starting off point. What are some of the main problems or maybe symptoms that businesses are experiencing that are caused by inefficiencies in terms of operations and procedures? Hmm. Okay. I actually, I think I wrote a blog post once about this or something. I know I, know I wrote something about this at some point, but if 
you're constantly finding yourself uh, like being badgered by Slack messages from your team. And every time you receive another Slack message, you feel like your stomach drops a little bit because you know that it's going to be something bad. Um, if you, let's say you're the most uh, organized person and you start with your day all planned out, but then you always get derailed by little burning fires, like, oh, client email saying, hey, I noticed that our website is down today. What happened? Those are all symptoms of quality control and just operation pieces missing somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, you not being able to think more than like three days into the future, more than two weeks into the future, not being able to plan ahead because you know that it's pointless because within one month, all of the, those plans will be like derailed as hell. That's another symptom. Um, not always kind of feeling like you're not surrounding yourself with the right people. That can also be a symptom because usually the what I hear most from people is like, I just can't get those people to get the results that I do that, that I get right the I don't know the work is just not as good as mine it's just not how I would have done it it's very hard to teach it it takes me so long to look over their work and to give them feedback and I give them feedback and it's still not exactly what I was expecting that is another symptom um you know employees taking like three months to be onboarded until they are actually able to be productive members of your team. That is another symptom. Uh, meetings, lots of internal meetings. Like if you have three meetings with your team per day or like that, there, they are, there are teams who like have the daily huddle and then they have another huddle with like maybe just some, some part of the team. And then they just like get pulled into another meeting where somebody needs help real quick with something like constantly getting interrupted all day long. That is a symptom. Yeah. So we start to tackle our SOPs. We recognize, oh man, that is me. <laughs> I am getting pulled into meetings. I feel like every plan I have is derailed. I'm constantly all over the place. I never feel like I have what I need to get stuff done. And nobody does it as well as I do. <laughs> I feel like that's me summarizing every entrepreneur <laughs> in their first year trying to figure it out, right? We get to a place where we realize, oh man, okay, no. The truth is I need procedures written out. I need documentation. I need standardization. So I get started. What kind of outcomes can we expect once we start to implement these efficiencies, these procedures in our business? What happens to the business? Um, well, hopefully your capacity increases because people like everybody who do, does the, these tasks that are now streamlined, they're hopefully going to take a little bit shorter to do them every single time. Instead of a task taking an hour, maybe now it's going to take 45 minutes or even half an hour, depending on whether you're also automate, be going to be able to automate some of the steps and all of that. So by the, by the virtue of that, you're also going to be able to reinvest that time into other places. So your team, team members, for example, they might be able to take on more work. So your capacity increases, which means you're gonna be able to sell more clients, uh, more products, more services. So your company will grow. Um, 
you as the CEO, as the founder, you're going to be able to refocus your efforts into those sales and marketing and networking and all of those like high leverage activities instead of being bogged down. Um, I sincerely hope that you're going to feel just less stressed because now your team is not going to constantly come and badger you for information because now they know where to find it and it's not just all in your head anymore. So hopefully you're going to get like longer periods of focus, uh, a lot less stress, and you're going to start to love your business a little bit more each day. Uh, you're going to get more free time maybe that you can spend on just doing things that you love. Uh, you're going to have some time to be spontaneous and be like, hey, so-and-so called. They want to meet me in the park later on today. Well, I have the next three months of my life blend out. I can't. That feels terrible. I, that happened to me and it felt horrible, especially because I'm from Romania and I work because I work with the people overseas in the US, I work on a totally different time schedule from all of my friends. So when my friends start stop working at 6 p.m. or 4 p.m., that's when I start. Mm. So they would call me on Friday evening and be like, hey, Christina, let's go out. And I'm like, I just started work. Oh. I can't. And it, oh. it, it really sucks. Yeah. Like I, in the beginning, it was like, I don't care about these things. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm hustling. Everything. It's yeah. okay. Except like one year down the line, when you realize you only see your friends once every couple of months, because on weekends, all of you are busy. Mm-hmm. Like you might be like, Hey, it's Saturday. Let's go out now. And they'll be like, yeah, well now I'm visiting my parents. I can't. I'm out of town. I'm on vacation, right? Mm-hmm. So all these little opportunities start to open up. It's a it's going to feel like a gradual change. It's not like a magic bullet like you write your all of your SOPs today and tomorrow suddenly you're a millionaire and you have four hours a week. Sign me up. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But it's it's still like these little incremental quality of life changes that in the long term like they build up and they make a difference they like you go to sleep and the last thought in your head isn't on what you forgot to do before you signed off of work today it's going to be on something else something enjoyable and it's going to make that one little it's going to just make it a little bit better to go to sleep every day you know Mm. that's kind of how it felt for me I love that because I think a lot of us assume everything is a magic bullet nowadays. Everything is the, that's the one thing. If I do that one thing, my, my life will be changed immediately, but it, it's almost never the case. And that leads me into the next thing, because I think a lot of us assume that this new application or this new system, or if we buy this new automation, our entire business is going to change. But what ends up happening, at least for me, something new will come out. I'll be like, I need that. I'll buy it. I'll start to use it. I'll forget about it. And then three months down the line, when the bill keeps coming through and I realize I haven't used it, I end up canceling and I'm right back where I started. Yeah. (laughs) So what can we do as business owners and entrepreneurs trying to find the right application or system? What can we do to make sure that we're making smart decisions when it comes to investing in those sorts of things? Hmm. Well, first of all, just like we talked, stop looking for the magic bullet. There is no magic software that's going to solve all your, all of your problems. 
I think like I used a lot of project management tools. I used a lot of automation tools. I used a lot of uh, flow charting tools. They all do the job. It's a, a lot of the time it's all about personal preference. Mm. So the the real advice here is sure, do a little bit of research beforehand. Don't just like jump into the first thing you see, but then once you've made a decision, stick to it for a little while and make it work. It's it's going to feel a little bit hard no matter what. Learning a new software it has a learning curve. You have to get used to new habits. You have to like get used to a new interface. All of that is still going to happen regardless of whether it's the biggest next software, like the, the messiah of all softwares, or whether it's this like rundown thing that nobody's ever heard of, right? So once you've made the decision, just stick to it and make it work because the way softwares are today, unless you're picking like something weird that nobody's ever heard of, it'll do the job. It's it's more up to you to be determined and to be devoted to following the process. I like that because it's it's not the answer we want to hear, but it's the answer we need to hear, right? It's not the problem isn't the application, but also the solution isn't necessarily the application. It all is on our shoulders to actually do the work and make it happen. I love that. I, I mean, that. if you want software recommendation, I could sit here all day and just riff off software. I can tell you what my favorites are, but at the end of the day, it's it's still up to us to actually use it and actually, you know, work the process. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about SOPs, because this is something that I'm starting to optimize, which I should have done a long time ago, but slowly but surely. Um, so we're going to use me as an example here. And uh, they're kind of scattered and all over the place. They're not in one place where I can find them easily. And they're also all either on a piece of paper in a notebook or on my computer. And I'm definitely needing to find one place to keep them all where it's easy to find, easy to sort and organize so that I can edit and optimize on the go. Now, I've heard a lot of people love Google Docs. I've heard a lot of people love different applications and ClickUp. I've heard about um, Trello. Is there like one best place? Does it actually matter where we keep our SOPs or how we, we organize them? It matters in the sense of you want to have them all in the same place and maybe organize like wherever you put them, it has to have the capacity to organize them a little bit like by department or categories or something so that if you need to share, like if, if you have a new project manager, let's say you can just share the relevant stuff with them and not everything and overwhelm them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you, like I've, I've had SOPs in Google Docs. I've had SOPs in Trello boards. And right now I have my SOPs as ClickUp docs in ClickUp. They all work. Uh, Not necessarily anything better than the other. Um, One tool that I've recently discovered that has actually made a difference um, has been Tango. It's It's a browser extension that kind of functions a little bit like Loom in the sense of when you start doing something, you press record. And as you're going through the motions and doing your process, it kind of writes the SOP, like the steps for you. Like, hey, I see that you went to infusionsoft.com or keep whatever it is now. 
and then you looked to settings and then you pressed on account management and then you did this, this, this and that. And then you stop recording and they take screenshots and do everything. So it kind of creates the SOP for you. Of course, you have to like go in and like tweak it a little bit after, but I've seen that it, it shortcuts the process by a lot, especially if you have Tango and Loom at the same time and you kind of have the video tutorial and the written tutorial without having to like do anything other than what we're usually doing. So I like doing that and Tango also uh, stores them. Mm -hmm. So that could be one thing, but again, I don't know if there's a magic bullet to like, how do we host them? Um, the one thing that I really liked was um, I created a list in my uh, project management with just like task tasks for each of my SOPs, just so I have all of the links organized somewhere. Just it, And I just then added the link to the SOP, whether that's in a Google Doc or a Tango or a, a ClickUp Doc. I just made sure that the SOP is added there. Yeah. And yeah, that's really it. And I organize it by department and by process. I like that department and then process itself. That makes it really easy, especially as you start hiring on people because you're going to hire on essentially by department. So yeah. it's easy to be able to delegate out those and train with those so they can find them. And it's not by application or whatever. I, I like that a lot. Um, so let, let's dig into growing a team here, because I think that's kind of the next step for a lot of business owners is, is like the, it's a big step for a lot of business owners is hiring on their first employee or bringing on their first contractor. When we're training someone using our SOPs or our processes, are there any do's and don'ts, any advice you have for us? When you're training them, so not necessarily when you're hiring them. Yeah. I mean, unless you have tips on hiring too. <laughs> we'll take those. Well, let's start with your original question. So when you're training somebody, uh, I usually like to teach by having them do stuff. Um, right off the bat, I'm not going to delegate like a real thing, like a real task to them, especially if it's like high leverage thing that I'm delegating. So I'm going to be like, a, give them a dummy task. Be like, hey, here's your dummy task. Here's your SOP. Let's see how well you're able to follow the SOP and get the job done. And for every SOP, there's a quality control process. So I know what to look for and be like, mm. hey, let's see if you follow this. And if they missed something, then my first thought is, okay, something must be wrong with the SOP. So I go in and ask, hey, uh, there was something missing here in, I don't know, step number four or whatever. Um, can you tell me which part of the SOP confused you or like missed, like what detail, what should we have added to the SOP that would have kind of fixed this? Yeah. And that's a good opportunity to kind of like battle test your SOPs. Um, the best way to test an SOP is to have somebody who's never done the task before and who doesn't know the process already, do it because <clears throat> they're going to do the mistakes. They're going to do the, they're going to miss the things, the details. Especially yeah. if they're not there. <laughs> I love that. That's a great, that's a great kind of test. I think it's it, first off putting the onus on you 
and the SOP and not on the person is really important because yeah. everyone learns differently. Um, and most of the times we're not as clear as we think we are. <laughs> At least in my experience, we can always do a better job of either being more clear, more focused, um, giving better resources and whatnot. So I, I love that perspective. And then as our team starts to grow and the needs of our SOPs start to to go bigger and um, more SOPs are needed, but we're not necessarily the ones having to write them all the time, what can we do to ensure that as our team starts to build out SOPs that they maintain consistency and do a good job there? Um, well, first of all, ensure that you're, you have some sort of like template for your mm -hmm. SOP. Uh, so kind of like, uh, the SOP for writing SOPs <laughs> to go a little bit meta. Um, so that's usually the first place that I start with, like, even like before I created my first ever SOP, the first thing I actually created was the template. Um, so start with that. And it's kind of the same process, right? You, okay, who's the a team member on my team that does this process every day. Okay, team member, go write the SOP for how to do this. And you battle test it. They, they wrote it. Okay, team member, pretend you've never seen this process before. And without like using your ingrained knowledge of this process, just look at the piece of paper that you wrote and follow the exact steps, only what you've written so far and see how far you can get in the process reiterate there until you feel it's good and then give it to somebody else. Hey, who's somebody in our company that is so far removed from this process that they don't, they don't even know it exists or whatever. And you give it to that person and that person is supposed to follow the SOP and achieve the exact outcome. And they're going to be like, Hey, I actually have a question on this step, or I didn't understand something here. And they're going to give that feedback, pass it on to the person who wrote the SOP and then the reiteration process begins again until yeah. it's good until somebody can take that thing, do it front to back and bake the same cake that you do. I love that. I think this is such um, an overlooked, but huge part of building a thriving business, a business that can grow and scale. Most of us focus our focus all of our time on revenue generating activities. And we, we leave it to the last minute to write our SOPs or even think about them really until, as you mentioned, we're ready to hire somebody. It's like, oh no, <laughs> the <laughs> clock is ticking. I got to write this stuff down. If we're a person who just doesn't have the time or capacity, or this just isn't something that we're capable of doing. Are there people out there hint, hint, that can take on this process for us and make our lives easier and maybe write our SOPs for us. Is that a yeah, thing? Yeah, that was very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shameless. Um, surprise, I am one of those people. Yeah. Yes, yes, there definitely are. Uh, are. Um, they can carry like any title from like operations manager, uh, director of operations, integrator, um, second in command, uh, COO, like all of those people, all of those titles, I guess, would be able to help you create SOPs. Basically, honestly, anybody with a detailed analytical mind is going to be able to write SOPs. What you should be concerned with is finding somebody who has a little bit of experience in your industry um, so that they don't start from scratch. They don't have to learn them before they can write the SOP because uh, that's going to just be a time sink. Um, but yeah, yeah, there definitely are people who do this for a living. 
and can help you speed up the process. Yeah, so let's talk about the benefits of the pros and cons, essentially, we'll work through because this is the decision making process a lot of us will have to go through and we're deciding, okay, do I invest the time and my capacity and really dig in on this? Or is it more worthwhile to just hire someone out and, and get them to do it for me? What are the pros and cons to hiring someone to take it on compared to doing it yourself? If you're hiring somebody to take it on, uh, first of all, you can be assured that they've done this before. Uh, they probably already have some sort of templates. Uh, if they've done this before in your industry specifically, they probably already have like a plethora of work that they've previously done that will at least partially apply to your business as it is. And then it's their job to kind of like tweak it until it's a perfect fit to you. So that's going to save you a lot of time. Um, they're still gonna, so it's not like, again, it's not a magic bullet where you hire them today and then you can just like sit back and relax. They are going to need a little bit of your time because as much as they try, there is some information that lives inside of your head still. So they are going to have to like give them a couple of hours of your time to like pull the information from there and make sure that it's good. Um, but yeah, it's it's the peace of mind uh, that of knowing that it was done by somebody who kind of knows what they're doing. Um, that's really it. It's somebody who uh, knows what details to look out for. Um, and I think optimization is another thing because like, Sometimes we do things kind of like scratching your left ear with your right hand thingy thing, uh, where you, you've done this so many times. I think it's called unconscious competence, where you're competent, but not, not to the point where you're able to see if you're doing things that are not optim optimal. You're not really able to pull back uh, like see the forest for the trees kind of thing mm -hmm. and be like, Hey, we're actually doing a few extra steps here that we can just cut out without it affecting uh, work quality. So that's also something that somebody more experienced is going to be able to look at and tell you and optimize the process. Uh, they might be able to automate some of the steps. So right now you're probably doing a lot of things manually, but there may, may be some of those steps that can be automated or some people do the flip side. They look at anything that can be automated and they go, let's automate this without sparing enough thought on, hey, does the work quality output suffer? Does the, cl the client experience suffer when we start um, automating this bit? Like, so putting those things in balance is something that somebody more experienced might be able to help you with. Make sure you use the right blend of automation and just personal touch. Yeah. Would they be able to also help us choose or identify the most important places to write SOPs or have processes? Or is that on us to come in with a list? No, for sure. So, for example, the way I work is um, after we like audit uh, your existing process and just get a better understanding of your business and how it works, we actually <clears throat> create a company blueprint 
um, <clears throat> which is basically a flowchart of, hey, here's how our company functions. Here's mm. like from the topmost level to the boring details. Here's how it all functions. And then you take each one of those little elements and you'd be like, hey, this is a step that will be automated. This is a step that will be manual. This will require an SOP. This will not require an SOP and so on and so forth. And once you've got that, you essentially have your roadmap for what you need to do. So you start with either the things that will save the CEO the most time or the things where you see problems, basically. Yeah. that like the red flags that we talked about earlier, right? Where are the red flags? Is it a client communication problem? Is it a fulfillment problem? Is it a team communication problem? Are we sitting in too many meetings senselessly? Um, Are meetings like one hour long when they could be like trimmed down to like 30 minute meetings if we had a better meeting itinerary? Mm. Meeting itineraries, they're pretty much SOPs. We're SOPs for running a business. So uh, a meeting, sorry. So if you manage to optimize that, you could have shorter meetings. That are more effective too. Yeah, I love that. So things aren't mixed up. People don't like take over the entire meeting. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, I have a question that I just kind of popped up as we were talking too. So you mentioned that the best place to start typically is the fulfillment process. Mm-hmm. So quality control, making sure that the things that happen in that middle chunk are, are done at the best possible way. For someone who's just starting their business and hasn't fully refined their offers, maybe they're developing them as they go, coming up with those processes, is it still worthwhile writing out the flowchart, coming up with the process, or should they wait until they've completely refined it? Mm, it depends. So the way it was for me, it, it depends on how you define an offer, really. Yeah. So to me, I defined an offer as a collection of things that I typically do as projects. So for example, I have a product that contains a website design and a logo design. I used to do those separately, but now it's an offer, right? So I have the logo design and I have the website design and I can do the SOPs for them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be an SOP for the offer. If you have the individual steps that contain the offer and those are already kind of nailed down, then yeah, you can definitely start without having to have the offer defined because the offer can be, you can come up with offers all day long and it's still going to be a combination of all of the things that you know how to do. I love that. I love the way of thinking. It's almost like instead of thinking so big picture, like what is the outcome that needs to happen at the end and all the big pieces, like think about the smaller components that you put together to make a job happen and you can change the order, you can move things around, but if you've written them down, yeah, you have have a bag full of Lego blocks and each time you come up with a new offer, you just take different Lego blocks and you put them together until it makes a something. But as long as you have the SOPs for the individual Lego blocks, you can create any offer you can possibly imagine. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I think that simplifies it. At least for me, that was a big clarity moment right there where it's like, okay, no, you don't even have to, you don't even have to have everything figured out to get started in this process and set yourself up for success. Because as you get better practice of building those individual SOPs for the tasks, however you use them might change, but having them will be really, really important. Exactly. 
Yeah, I love that. Um, any final like hot tips for us who are just getting started in this process? Uh, things to look out for maybe as we're getting started writing our SOPs and, and our processes. Hmm. Let me see. Um, well, things to look out for. Uh, there are a couple of sections to an SOP that you should include. Most people think SOPs is just a collection of steps. Uh, there's maybe two or three other sections that are really important. Define who is responsible for following the SOP. Make, like inside of the actual document, write up who this is relevant for and write it up with like the title of the position, not necessarily the name of the person who's currently occupying the position because that might change at any given time. And you don't want to update the SOP every time somebody leaves or comes into your company. Um uh, prerequisites. So if there are anything, any steps, any other SOPs, any accesses, any, I don't know, stuff that you need to get from the client or things that they need to do before they start going through the steps, that's going to save them a lot of time because you don't want to get through like step five of an SOP only to realize that, oh my God, I can't actually complete this task because I need something here that the yeah. client hasn't sent me, so now I have to abandon it midway through. And you've already spent like half an hour on it, starting it, and it's frustrating for everybody. So if you already knew that you need five things from the client in order to do this task, then you know that your next step is to go uh, reach out and get those five things. Um, and usually some sort of like quality control will be like, hey, once you've done this, done this task, here's how to check that you did it right. Um, it also saves time if you are linking any relevant, so like if you're referencing an article or if you're referencing another SOP or if you're referencing know, your company manual or some template somewhere, whatever, just link them there, save your people as much time as, as you can when writing these, just write them there. And the next section that you're gonna add is probably the FAQs. As people do the SOP, as soon as they ask you something like, hey, there's something I don't understand on this step right here. I'm like, oh, let me answer that for you. And also let me add it in the SOP for the next time somebody asks me that. Brilliant. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yes. Let's dig into what people can expect when they start working with you or with anyone else who's going to help them with their SOP. So what does the process look like when we're digging in and working with either a consultant or bringing someone on to help us develop all of our SOPs and processes? Okay, uh, well, typically the onboarding process will require this person to learn a lot about your business in a very short time. So they're gonna probably need to dig in. The, like, if you kind of already know where the pain point is for your company, you can kind of guide them a little bit and be like, hey, dig deeper in that area. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know, then they're gonna have to kind of do like a big sweep and be like, hey, let's let's kind of audit everything you're doing. Like, do you have all of the people in the right places? Um, do you have KPIs? And do you are you tracking the right things? And are you documenting the right things? And so they're gonna do like a huge sweep, and they're gonna like give you the red flags. Like, hey, look, I noticed these five things that immediately jumped at me. This is what we should focus first. Um, and then it's kind of starting the work. Um, 
like I said, I like, I love flowcharts. So every time I start with a process or even just with the, with a new client, I do the company blueprint and then I do the process blueprint. Um, kind of like, it's like the 10,000 foot view and then the hundred foot view. Um, and past that point, it's diving in, getting automating what can be automated, uh, standardizing what can be standardized. And then it's training time. Uh, we've written all of this. We've automated all of this. It's time to actually battle test it all and make sure that we haven't created some useless document. We have to run it by the people, make sure that they understand it, make sure that they can use it. And then it's the offboarding where you've given them the thing. Now you have to teach them, hey, here's how you're going to keep this thing updated. Because like we talked before, these SOPs and your processes are meant to be a living, breathing thing. So that means they have to be updated uh, once in a while. And unless you want to hire this person every three months to kind of do it all over again, uh, then they should train your people into like how, here's how to manage everything that this system, this hive that we've created to be a little bit cute. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, and you know what? I didn't know that there would be the additional training and that offboarding process. I think a lot of us, me in particular, assumed that, okay, they come in, this person does all the things, hands me this you know, booklet or uh, a folder of documents, and then I got to figure out how to do the next step and actually either train my team or execute it. So I, I really appreciate that you clarified, we do get the support we need when this happens. It's not a one and done um, kind of over process. Christina, for the people here who are desperate for help looking to get you on their team or to learn more about you and what you offer, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on my website. It's uh, beproductive.eu. And that's B with two E's. Because business. <laughs> Love it. But yeah. Uh, you can take, you can do anything you want on my website. You can jump on a free clarity call. If you just need a little bit of clarity, need me to answer like a quick question. I offer one of those free for everybody um, as a starting point. And then you can decide how much or how little uh, you want to do together. Uh, we have a support group where you can join and just, I'll be there to just answer any questions. Um, and you get access to like the templates that I typically use to do my job. Uh, yeah, pretty much like everything that you need. Your team can come on, they get the support and all of that. Or we can go the whole like super involved way where I can come in and do the audit and do the processes and the training and all of that like we've just talked about. So there's any level depending on what you need uh, at this moment. Yeah. And you know what? There's a great quiz on your website that I took and was really impressed with. And I think the listeners might benefit from too, because taking it may give them a little bit more insight into what they should be, <laughs> what they should be looking for. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the quiz? Yeah, I almost forgot about it, actually. Uh, so if you're at the point where you're not actually quite sure what level of help you need, uh, this quiz might be for you. There's actually kind of four productivity types uh, that entrepreneurs kind of exhibit that 
sometimes can hinder them from achieving their full potential. Like there's little um, kind of catchfalls where they can like, um, it, it kind of hinder them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on which one of those productivity types you are, on the back end of the quiz, you are actually going to receive some actionable feedback and be like, hey, look, your productivity type, it has this, these three superpowers. So this is what's going to propel you forward. But it also has a tendency to fall back onto like these two or three things that, you know, can kind of hinder your growth a little bit. So if you're this type of person, you've get, I don't know, one, two, three actionable, actionable pieces of advice. So like, here's where you would probably want to focus first. Yeah, I love it. I found it super helpful. And I'm I'm sure the listeners will too. I think uh, it's a good reality check for a lot of us who think, oh, no, I've got it together. We can all improve in a lot of different ways. And it definitely opened my eyes up and gave me some great tips. So I'll link it in the description. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I learned a ton. I'm definitely excited and ready to dig into my SOPs and processes and start to up. Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at hustlelessprofitmorepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.